Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have declared that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that I will from heaven hear, forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Lord, we confess this morning our great, great need for you to work in our lives in such a way that healing can come forth from our lives to those that we encounter each day and hopefully to our land. So Father, I pray this morning that you would come by your spirit, empower your word that you have given us as life, that we might take and eat this morning of the Lord Jesus and receive the bread of life from him. For He is the bread. So we surrender ourselves to You this morning. Whatever You would do in our lives, in our hearts this morning, we ask You to do it. Do it, Lord Jesus. I thank You that the Word says that faithful is He who calls you who will also do it. Who will also bring it to pass. God, we ask You this morning to bring to pass in our lives that which You desire to do to do through us what You want to do. And we surrender ourselves to the work of the Spirit this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. A few weeks back, we looked at um, the Gospel accounts of Jesus' miracle of walking on the water. And I want to pick up this morning in John's Gospel with the events that followed that event. It's generally believed that John wrote the Gospel, his Gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry long after Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote theirs. John's account was written after many years of reflection on the events that he experienced personally in the presence of Jesus as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke referred to the Apostle John by his name, John. But John preferred to be identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John refers to himself that way in his Gospel five times. Now perhaps he preferred that title rather than his own name because of his deep love for Jesus and his humility in realizing that Christ called him, loved him, forever changed him, and would in time call him home to be with him in his presence for eternity. To be loved by Jesus. What more could anyone desire? To be loved by Jesus. What better way could one be identified than the man or woman whom Jesus loved. We this morning are the men and women whom Jesus loves by His grace and mercy. Jesus loved John enough to entrust the care of His mother to Him as He was dying on the cross. The Gospel of John was written about A.D. 80-90. to And he declares the purpose of writing his gospel account in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, which reads like this. 
Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. John's gospel is both evangelistic, that we might believe, and it's apologetic, that we might know and understand who Jesus is, his true identity as the Messiah, God incarnate, the one and only God-man, the Savior of all who would trust in his name. The Gospel of John is a proclamation that Jesus Christ is God. His divinity is declared in the very first sentence of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's Gospel contains several distinct statements of Christ's divinity as he describes himself as the great I Am. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. John 8.12 Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, will have the light of life. John 8.58-59 Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. John 10, 7 through 9. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I love that verse. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 14 through 15. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 15, 1. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And in John chapter 18, when Jesus was being betrayed by Judas, we read in verses 3 through 5, Judas then, having received the Roman cohort of officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. 
So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. I am. As we saw in our last message, the Greek phrase, ego emi. Remember the account of Jesus walking on the water? When he came to them in the boat, he said, It is I, do not be afraid. It is I, ego emi. I am has come to you. It's not time to be afraid. This morning, I want to pick up on that account in John's gospel of Jesus walking on the water and continue the story on the other side of the sea. So read with me in John chapter 6, verses 16 through 40. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God that is, is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. <coughs> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. May the Lord give us understanding of the life found here in his word. There's so much to unpack from these passages. This crowd that gathered on the east side of the sea had observed that only one boat had been on the shore the night before. It was the boat that the disciples got into, and Jesus was not on the boat when it left the shore. The crowd did not know that Jesus had walked on the water the previous night before and arrived with the disciples in the boat as a result. They couldn't figure out how he had gotten to the other side of the sea, but they weren't asking how. They were asking when. Jesus, when did you get here? Interesting that they ask when and not how. They're living in the natural realm, and the spiritual, supernatural world is beyond their understanding and really not even on their radar. Perhaps they assumed that he walked around the long way, which would have taken a much longer time, thus the question when. Or maybe he found a ride on another boat that they had not seen, arriving at a different time from the disciples. The assumption, I think, was not that Jesus had done something miraculous, but that there was an obvious logical explanation for when Jesus got there that they didn't know about. The interesting thing is that Jesus did not entertain their question at all. He immediately cut to the chase of why they were seeking him in the first place. You seek me not because you saw me do something miraculous, but because I gave you a free meal. The crowd had eaten the bread and fish that Jesus blessed and they came back for more. John Piper's defined a sign as glory coming into the world. I like that. Jesus performs a sign, a miracle, an example of the glory of God coming into the natural world to grab our attention, to catch our eye. The sign is intended to draw our attention to the one performing it. Jesus. But what did the people do? They saw the sign and they fixed their attention on the product of the miracle, not the person of the miracle. As he often did, Jesus uses the example of the physical world to reveal the truth of the spiritual world. He uses the pursuit of the physical perishing bread to contrast with the living eternal bread. Jesus is about calling followers. His primary mission is to feed souls, not bodies. But if feeding physical bread in a miraculous manner will open the eyes to see the spiritual bread before them, then he will perform that miracle. But the mission is to reveal the bread of life to the people. Remember in our last message, we made the point that Jesus came not to give bread, but to be bread. He continues that message here. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. 
Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Jesus is calling them out. Hey folks, you're looking at what is happening all wrong. You're looking in the natural realm, and I'm working in the spiritual You're looking for me now, not because you recognize the miraculous sign from God, but because you got a free meal and you want more. Get a clue. Get your minds off your bellies and start thinking about your souls. Do not toil and sweat, worry and fret to gain food for the body. Do not whittle your life away on things that will pass away. Focus on the food that endures to eternal life. I am the Son of Man, and I can give you this food, he says. Jesus has called them out on why they have come looking for him. He admonishes them not to focus so much on acquiring physical necessities in life, but to think of the spiritual need that they have. Well, how do they respond to what Jesus said? Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent me, whom he has sent. They live in a world of work and toil. Belief is not easy for them. They've had to work for everything they've ever known. But Jesus tells them that the work is in believing in him whom God has sent. John Piper has noted that the labor is faith. The labor is stop laboring. The labor is stop working and trust him. He is standing there as the bread of life, freely offering himself to you. He's going to lay down his flesh for the world, it says later in John 6, 51. He is standing there as the bread of life. He is standing there as gold and silver and great treasure. Everything you've ever needed, He is for you, and He is free. And they are saying, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? What's the deed we have to do to have you? And He would say, if I don't look to you as treasure, if you don't see me as a treasure, no amount of work is going to make me precious to you. Jesus says, do the work of God. Believe in me. Treasure me. What was their response to this astounding statement by Jesus? So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. What? What? Jesus has proclaimed to them that he is the food for their souls, which endures for eternity, and the work is to believe in him. They want another sign. It was just yesterday that he miraculously provided a meal for 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. They were so blown away by that sign that they wanted to make him king. Now they're negotiating for another miracle, another sign. How quickly they forget. 
how quickly we forget. How shallow is their understanding. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. We'd like another meal, please. (laughs) Wow. Jesus seized the opportunity to continue to chip away at their natural understanding with spiritual truth. And he replies to them this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. First of all, it wasn't Moses that gave your fathers the bread from heaven. It was my father, Jesus said. He is the bread giver. My father gives the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Your fathers were given bread by my father. And now my father is giving you the true bread. And this true bread gives life to the world. They said, Lord, give us that bread. Give us that bread always. We want that bread, Lord. And Jesus replied, Ego imi. I am bread. I am that bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. This is our hope in Christ. Jesus is that bread that we all hunger for. He's the true bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, that gives life to each of us. We need only believe and receive Jesus as the Christ, the Holy One, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I Am. Ego in me. Jesus says to us today, I am. I am. Whatever your need is, I am. Our response as believers in humility and utter dependence on Him is the simple response, You are. Lord, You are. You are. In that moment of belief and complete trust in Christ alone for salvation, We're born again into a newness of life and our souls are eternally safe in God. This morning we will partake together in observance of the Lord's Supper where He took bread and broke it as a symbol of His own body. Broken in unimaginable torture as a sacrifice, a substitution for our sins on the cross. No one took His life. He gave it. He gave it for me. He gave it for you. He gave it for all who would believe in His name. 
Romans 10, 8 through 11 tells us the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. If this is your experience this morning, you're invited to partake of communion as we remember Christ's body broken for us and his blood spilled out on our behalf. We remember and we worship him. As the elders come to administer the cup and the bread, Consider these words from 1 Corinthians 11:23-26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup, also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This morning, in humility, let's come and remember Jesus. Remember the bread of life. Preston, would you come? Yeah, there's not a lot to add to that. Um, I would just have uh, some instructions about how, to, how we should do this. And one of those instructions is um, to remember where you were before you remember him. Um, it says in Ephesians that we were um, cut off, no hope, strangers to the promises of, of God's family, uh, and to that and then it says after that it says this it says let me find it here we go so as you come remember this strangers but now in Christ Jesus you who were formerly far off are now brought near how by the blood of Jesus Christ for he himself is our peace and so as you come to partake um, it's one of those things that we need to do together but we also need to do individually and so I just would encourage you as you come um, we'll, we'll have a prayer you get your you get the bread which represents his body you get the juice which represents his blood. And in your own time, Randy's selected a song that uh, we're going to play. It's about four minutes long. So you take that time to be in communion with God. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you've made a way, Lord, and, you, and you've asked us to remember that way. And so, Lord, we consecrate these simple elements, the bread to represent your body given for us, and your blood poured out for us. 
that we might come before you with a confidence and an appeal that you would continue to give us grace to believe, grace to walk before you, and grace to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember me. 